Welcome to Automotive Insiders, the podcast series presented by OESA, the Original Equipment Suppliers Association. You'll hear from automotive industry experts on the critical issues that are impacting the mobility landscape. Get actionable insights on how to thrive in Automotive 2.0. Now, here's your Automotive Insiders host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome to OESA Automotive Insiders. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, producer and host, and I'm here today with Peter Pierce at Baker Tilly US LLP. Peter has more than 25 years of experience in the mobility and transportation industry, and that's why he's here with me today. Peter Pierce, welcome, and please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and what does your company do? Peter. Well, good day, Bonnie, and thank you for having me. Um, so a little bit about myself. Um, I've been in the automotive industry since the early 90s out of university, joined an automotive supplier. I uh, spent a number of years of building that enterprise, um, really focused on business technology for um, for this organization. And then uh, joined the management consulting ranks of uh, big four public accounting and consulting and really haven't looked back and have really been focused on assisting uh, clients in the automotive supply chain from the OEMs uh, all the way to the various tiers within the automotive supply chain. Um, so really focused uh, from a perspective at Baker Tilly is helping uh, companies really solve business problems and and deal with the you know ever-changing dynamics of of the industry. Um, and it's really um, really important, I guess, that we are at a essentially a crossroads um, with, with the industry that I'm really interested in, uh, you know, talking to Bonnie about today in regards to, you know, the impact to the uh, automotive supply chain. So um, I, I think, Bonnie, is it okay if I tell a little bit of a, of a story of why we're uh, talking today? We would love that because, Peter, we're in the era of storytelling. People want to know why and how and about and who you are and the stories in the background. So please go ahead. Wonderful. So, you know, Pre-pandemic, obviously, we all find ourselves at a very interesting time. And let's roll back, uh, you know, a few years ago. Let's go back to, say, 2016 or even a little bit further. So we had this recession back in 2008 and 2009, right? So which was rough on everybody. Um, and then coming out of that, we had a, f- a number of years of growth in the domestic automotive um, you know, vehicle sales, right? Probably about an 8% average growth between 2010 and 2016, Right, but it was um, we hit 2016. All of a sudden, uh, we're not growing. Right, so we, uh, my colleague and I, Eric Bergen, um, you know, one of one of our industry research gurus, um, we were discussing, you know, the impact of what's happening in the industry. And pre-pandemic, we were real concerned about an automotive recession. Right, because what what was going on is, you know, essentially people weren't buying vehicles. Um, ride sharing, you know, Ubering, that was, you know, a big deal where, you know, it wasn't really necessary for a lot of folks to invest in, you know, invest in vehicles. So when we were looking, um, you know, at what's happening in the industry, you know, uh, there's a dis- this disruptive activity going around around the electrification of the industry, right? So we like to call, um, you know, the combustion engine, we refer to those folks as the ICE, you know, um, internal combustion engine, um, you know, historic uh, perspective of the industry, and then the electrification or the EV, you know, the the, the change of the vehicle platforms. Well, um, there's been a lot of, um, I'll call it positive disruption in the, in the ecosystem in the sense that 
you know, new technologies um, are occurring. Um, the advent of the Tesla, um, you know, uh, change in the in the vehicle um, perspective, you know, electrification, which was kind of I don't want to call it like a um, a nice thing or like a hobbyist type activity where some of the folks thought perhaps early, you know, early in the two thousands and whatnot, but we are seeing an evolution and a disruption happening in front of us real time of an order of magnitude that to me is very, very concerning and disruptive to the automotive supply chain. Um, so let's talk about a couple, um, couple things that happened just this week. So on Wednesday, the European Union proposed that by 2035, there are to be no more sales of petrol or diesel uh, vehicles in the EU, 27 nations, right? Um, 14 years from now. In addition, uh, they mentioned by 20, or they proposed by 2030, an additional 55% reduction in automotive emissions in the existing ICE platform. Okay, so that's, you know, very short range here in the next, you know, in the next 10 years, additional squeeze of 55% of the emissions. Okay. So say if you're an OEM and you need to you subscribe to these you know, regulations, are you going to double down and, and invest in ICE combustion engines to get that additional 55% reduction with knowing in another five years, 2035, you're going to have to get 100% reduction in automotive emissions? Same week, this week again, Volkswagen said – they're going to they're going to invest 86 billion that's with a b on the electrification platforms and mobility at Volkswagen in the next 5 years so this is a level of disruption that you know we've not witnessed uh, you know near term and i'm very um and i'm not concerned but i think this is an opportunity for what we call a cascade of innovation for the automotive supply chain so Bonnie, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, we look at this automotive supply chain of all of these organizations, you know, 2 million people roughly in the United States are linked to the automotive industry that are really supporting these ICE platforms. There's a level of disruption that's going to occur here where we, you know, if, if you're in the business of, of providing componentry to the, um, to the ICE powertrain, well, those components are disappearing, Right. So as soon as, you know, um, Volkswagen, General Motors, Ford, the Ford F-150 Lightning, um, these vehicles that are coming out in front of us, the powertrains are changing. And, and from a bigger Tilly perspective, we have, um, you know, a, a, there's a lot of clients out there and a lot of um, organizations in that automotive supply chain that really need to step back and understand what this means to them in the next 5, 10, 15 years. Thank you very much, Peter. Great overview. I appreciate that. And the key word I took away is disruption, disruption, disruption. And I will tell you that uh, local car dealer here, I'm in the Raleigh-Durham area in North Carolina, emailed me a couple weeks ago and said, we have no inventory. If you have a used car you want to sell, we'll take it right now. I'm seeing headlines. We know about the chip disruption in the supply chain. We know about the advent of electric vehicles where everything's going to change. What are we doing to our power grid? How are people going to be able to get those cars and charge them? We know about autonomous vehicles. And I know from Julie Freem, who's the CEO of OESA, who was with me on the show several times last year, that the automotive production line in the United States stopped for, what was it, Peter, 46? Seven days? 
Yes. 47 days, not a single car was coming off of those lines. And look what that did to to availability. And we're seeing it now, aren't we? So, Peter, I appreciate the background. That was really interesting. Let's talk about, since this is the Suppliers Association, let's talk about, you sent me a couple topics. Let's talk about repositioning automotive supply business. So you want to give us some insights that will help our listeners and people will see the video to help the listeners and viewers understand your perspective as a professional in this field? Yeah, definitely. So um, so this is the big challenge. Um, and here's the challenge as well. You, you hit the nail on the head, Bonnie, with, you know, we need people, there's a demand out there today. People need vehicles, right? Um, if we look at the numbers, you know, 2020 came in around close to 15 or 14.6 million, which is a big drop from the prior year, 17 million domestic vehicles. Well, a reason it wasn't people that weren't, people weren't buying cars. It was there was no cars to be <laughs> to be bought. Um, so that was the you know, big issue that you pointed out. Now, as an automotive supplier, everybody is in catch up mode, right? So what's happening here? So a couple things when when you look at the dynamics of the industry, right? There's hundred percent suppliers need to be understanding and focusing on what the new economy looks like, the longer term strategic picture. But at the same time, they need to fulfill and support what's required today to make sure that vehicles are being built, right? That they can support and have the and have the components to to build the vehicles. Um, you hit the nail on the head around disruption as well. Uh, um, supply chain disruption, huge reality, right? There's a, a mm-hmm. lot of cars that are sitting on, you know, that are um, almost finished, but waiting for a silicon, right? W- waiting for chips to be installed or whatnot, right? Um, so there's there's inventory in the system, but not ready to be sold. And the but what's happening too is that the you know, the demand is um, companies, suppliers are sitting there. Um, OEMs can't make cars because they don't have the components, right? And, you know, but still the steel folks can't make steel overnight, right? So there's all this fluidity that's in this um, this supply chain. And I mentioned this in my um, in my intro is that this, his, this disruption with the automotive suppliers, um, my opinion is our business model is flawed. Mm. The supply chain business model, automotive supplier business model is flawed. And it's flawed for one reason. And I think, um, which everyone can understand is we, we've been very, um, um, you know, held, not, I want to say like how the way it's very kind of like a vertically integrated supply chain in the sense that you worked for an OEM as a supplier. You know, a lot of suppliers tend to only support one or two OEMs, right? Um, and then they're, held to that demand structure. So if the OEMs say we're going to build 100 vehicles, you do the math and you're going to cascade down and you should be able to randomly forecast what you need. Well, our opinion is that model is very hard to manage in disruption because it's not static. It's very dynamic now, right? So when you can't, when you have an impact in the supply chain where you don't have component X, it's going to not allow your vehicle A to be made. Well, you need to shift internally and understand well, if I can't make these products that go into that particular vehicle, what? how do I manage and shift my, my resources, right? How do I let my supplier's supplier know that, you know, we're going to have a different supply cycle, right? So the whole concept of supply demand, supply and demand planning, something that we've t- taken really for granted in the legacy heritage ICE supply chain is all is open for opportunity of automation, okay? So... There's, um, you know, there's tools and there's solutions out there as an automotive supplier that I should be leveraging to help me understand the be- better use of where I need to focus my employees, you know, where I need to focus my manufacturing assets, you know, where I, ne- what do I need to build and where do I need to invest? 
Um, so it's it's a different game out there, and it's much more complicated. Um, Peter, how do we fix this? How do you make, uh, other than people hearing you and seeing you here on Automotive Insiders, how do we get the message out? Because you made a very provocative statement that the, the business model, the method of doing things, it's broken. It needs to be fixed, changed, evolved. Use any word you want. It needs to be, uh-oh, I'm going to say it. It needs to be disrupted, right? It, it needs, needs to be. be exactly. It needs to be disrupted, moving. So, so how, do you, how do you let them know that it's time, that the time is here to do something like that? What do you recommend? Just briefly what would you tell suppliers who were saying, what? Peter Pierce said, what? We thought everything was great. We're doing our best. And he's saying, no, it's time. What changes would you suggest they make? You know, so I think the first thing that organizations really need to look at is to really understand and study the um, the aggregate demand picture of what of what's of what's happening, right? From the mm-hmm. you know leveraging you know resources from you know organizations like IHS or the, you know those market facing organizations, um, and then combining with what you know. I mean, we have here. I'll give you another 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 story, another example. Um, we were working with a client who was looking at investing in um, buying product lines from another another automotive supply organization, right? And the products that um, they were looking to invest in to, to basically buy um, were vacuum-based systems. Um, and vacuum-based systems only work very only work typically with the combustion engine, right? So uh, through our analysis, we determined that um, you know the OEM in this case was phasing those vacuum-based systems out, which was a, a little bit of a head scratcher. Um, but then when you step back and looked at it, it was clear as day what they are doing is the OEMs are looking at componentry that can traverse platforms, meaning that if I can build a system that can work in an electric vehicle and an ICE vehicle, guess what? We're commonizing that. So we're going and we're going to be building these components that are going to be used across platform, right? So, for example, um, those that's happening to our suppliers, and I'm not real sure if our suppliers are studying those impacts, right? Okay. So meaning that like, hey, let's understand what the, you know, what the demand looks like for components. What is the engineering life cycle for these components? Are the things that I'm making supportive of multi-platforms or are they only going into the combustion engine? So it's, it's almost, a, a, you know, the recommended approach is it's an it's a exercise in data analytics, mm-hmm. okay, to really assess your products, right, what they're going into and what the end game of those platforms are with those OEMs, right? Um, so that we can get a vision to know, like we in two three years, we're going to expect that that demand is going to drop, you know, considerably or drop completely from how we um, from how we operate our business. Um, so the first thing to do is really get your arms around the, you know, your forecasting and understanding of your customers' demand. Thank you, Peter. It almost sounds like. The downtime during COVID, which was not welcome, not wanted, and not good, might have been a time to look at all of these factors, might have been a time to say, well, we know things are on hold one way or another, and let's look at this, let's look at the future of where we want to be in that automotive business, in that automotive broad industry as suppliers and and other components of the process, if you will, whatever their companies do. Peter, I want to talk a little bit. Uh, I'm looking at your topics you sent me before the show. And your third topic is addressing the gap in the workforce using automation. This is a very interesting and timely topic. We talk a lot about 
the future of work. We talk about AI. We talk about relieving people of repetitive, boring, do the same thing over and over, mindless jobs that could be done through a robot or through some kind of an AI process. And then we talk about that automation. People get scared, Peter. They say, wait a minute, you're going to take my job away from you, me. And the answer is no. We're going to make your job more interesting. We're going to make it better. We're going to make it more fun, if I can use that term. And we're going to make you more of a contributor. So how do you see that kind of do do as I need to do in terms of automation and make your job better and make you more of a contributor. Is that what we're looking at for the future of the workforce in automation, automotive? Yes. Um, so here's the situation. Um, the long the concept of long production runs. So for example, when you're do, when you're working with an OEM, you're going to get a contract and you're expected to make millions of parts, right? Again, that business model is going away. Okay. As an automotive supplier, you're going to need to get focused on smaller lots, more more diversity in your product offering. Okay. What that means is agility on the shop floor. So the days of having your production lines dedicated to platforms are going to be nil. Okay. Your production lines need to be dedicated to multi-platforms and they need to be able to flip and change over effectively and quickly. And you need to do that through automation. Okay. And you need skills and experienced people to make that happen. So that's going to be the big impetus of change for our, our, the automotive supply community. You need to be able to pivot and you need to be able to focus and, and be profitable making, you know, making, you know, smaller lots, but having more diversity in your product offerings. But you need to be able to adapt and manage to that, right? So you need analytics and planning and scheduling to do that to help get your shop floor set up. Plus, you need to apply industry 4.0 principles to your operation, Okay, across, you know, basically taking all the manual effort that we can out of the equation and and letting technology drive those efforts, but letting our people and growing our people to help manage and drive that change within our enterprises. Um, So that's where it's going to be really a, a, you know, a lot of skilled labor that we need to grow and teach to help make our automotive supply chain uh, efficient to support the agility in the in the model that's going to be required to move forward with. Thank you, Peter. Good, good points. Now. You sensed to me something. Uh, we asked you the question before the show. As an industry expert, what advice do you have for the automotive supplier community? And that's what you've been sharing all along. But I see a statement here that is very bold, and I'd like you to explain it. You say suppliers need to be brave in this new economy. We know about the new economy. We know who suppliers are. How do you define brave, bold, you know, innovative? What, what does it mean? Sure. It, needs, it really comes down to you need to be involved. Right. You need to get involved with the new economy. Their new economy is not going to come to you, meaning that the new um, EV OEMs, right, uh, the new players, even even the domestic OEMs who are in the electric uh, in, in the EV want to think differently. Right. On how they do business. So reaching out, getting involved with with the OEMs directly, building those relationships. Um, don't expect contracts to come to you or bids to come to you. Okay, mm-hmm. um, we are seeing. If we, let's use the EV um, supply chain as an example. Um, the folks that are running the the new um, the new OEMs, we'll call it, um, are di- are working differently in the supply chain. Right, they're working it based upon relationships and who has the technology to help them. So we're seeing new entrants come in to help build these new cars on the EV platform that never had anything to do with automotive. Mm-hmm. Okay. Tesla purposely designed their vehicle with not on not on something that's been known for for hundreds of years on how cars work, right? Purposely, 
you know, Elon Musk wanted to challenge the norm and how we can do things differently and think outside the box, right? Well, that whole mentality of innovation is cascading through that ecosystem, right? Where on the ICE ecosystem, we tend to kind of wait for direction. So you need to be brave and you need to get involved. If I'm an automotive supplier where I'm providing 100% of my product line to the ICE supply chain, I am immediately working and reaching out to these OEM EV vendors and, and looking at their product offerings and where we can help them. Because the talent and the skills and the manufacturing processes are still needed, okay? You're just going to be making a different product offering. And you need to get involved and you need to be brave and you need to essentially call on those folks or build relationships. And we're seeing a lot of more co-opetition, right? Mm-hmm. So instead of competing against maybe somebody historically who you have, how can you partner up with them to build something innovative for this new platform? And we're seeing a lot of that happen as well. That's a new mindset, isn't it, Peter? That's a new shift in It's a in huge management. shift in this industry. Yep. And it's a shift in management. It's a shift in mindset. And I'm going to use the culture word. It's a shift in culture is don't be afraid of a competitor. Bring them in. We know that industry lines are blurring in every industry in the world, right? What, what is a bank? What is a financial institution? What is a supplier? Who is part of the supply chain? Where did stuff come from? Who's making it? Who's bringing it to the table? So a lot going on. We had a guest recently here on Automotive Insiders who said, if you're not at the table, you might be on the menu. And that was a, a dire warning. And I know it's very serious. I have a personal question for you, Peter Pierce. We didn't get a chance to talk about this. I don't know if you're willing to answer, but I hope you are. Do you remember your first car? <laughs> oh, one, yeah, 100%. Um, a 1972 Buick Electra 454. Yep. I was driving my dad's Buick Electra. I thought it was a 225. It was the size of a tank. Do you remember? It was huge. Yeah, exactly. It was big. Yeah. It was a big. What color was yours? Mine was, uh, it was green. It was, uh, yeah, it was green. I think we spray painted it black. So, (laughs) (laughs) with I had blue wave carpeting in the back. So, yeah. Well, my dad's was a midnight blue. It was really gorgeous. And and he and my mom were traveling. I think they went to Europe and I was old enough to drive, had my license. And I made a point that week when they were away of picking up my, my closest trusted friends in my dad's car on the way to school. Usually I took the bus to high school and mm-hmm. I arrived in this very elegant Buick Electra 225 and it was just gorgeous. Yeah, it was a nice car. Very heavy duty. Yeah, it was, it was, that's when it was a, I don't know, what do you think, 7,000 pounds? I'm not sure. Oh, at least, <laughs> at, at least the chassis probably weighed five. And the seats, and oh, the, yeah. I don't know, it, it did have, did it have electric seats? Could you move the seat up or was it still the, the rod underneath the seat where you slide back and You know what, it, could it have been electric? It may have been. Might have I don't been. know. I don't think so. It was, it was a very, a while. Yep. and did you buy yours used or new? Oh, used, used. This was, this was, so this was in the eighties, <laughs> right? Yep. So, yep, exactly. So it was, yep, it was definitely used. Okay. I'm trying, I'm not going to tell you what year my dad's car was because that'll <laughs> say too much about myself. It was a 72 in the eighties. So, okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that, that's a good perspective. Peter, It's it's been great speaking with you. You are such a font of information of great perspectives. I just want to close with, do you have any Final advice for suppliers in this disruptive, changing, dynamic, constantly evolving economy and world we're in where breaking news involves automotive. In addition to world news, you you see the chips are are not here and the supply chain is broken and you see that there's no inventory and we can't get this and we can't get that. Any advice for being brave, as you said before? You know, it's it's a challenging time. You know, right now, I think over the next 
you know, six to eight months is all going to be a lot of heads down, helping get the, the supply chain back up and running, right? Making sure that we can fulfill demand what's required today, because there is a glut, as you mentioned, your, your automotive uh, dealership locally called if you wanted to sell any of your, 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 your used car and whatnot. Um, so, you know, the next six to eight months is, is a lot of heads down, but at the same time, we need to lift our chins up and we need to look and see where and how we can get involved with the new economy, right? There's so many different avenues, so many different great organizations like OESA um, to get involved with and help understand what this means to me as an enterprise. What can I do differently? Um, who can I lean on? Who can I vet ideas off? Who can, how do I get involved, right? Don't, mm-hmm. don't fight this battle on your own. Don't. Right. So, you know, leverage your relationships, leverage the professionals out there who can get you to think differently and how to, and, and really to get you to, to pivot out of this. Um, I'll call it the, this historic business model, which we it's hard to. Right. Because it's so ingrained in our DNA. But we need to do things differently. OK. So we need to figure out how we can continue to support what we have to do and then get ready for the future that's going to come at us fast. Right. Very, mm-hmm. very fast. The next 15 years, everybody. Um, it's going to be an amazing, amazing run for us in this industry. And we need everybody to support and and contribute. So I just think it's a huge, huge opportunity for the automotive supply chain to reinvent themselves and, and continue to be the leader in, you know, in, in in the, in the domestic economy, right. As the, you know, existing, the, the new administration is investing a lot of money to make electrification come to life. Let's figure out what that means for us and how we can get involved and and leverage that um, investment. Thank you. Very inspirational and motivational. I know that our viewers and our listeners will appreciate your energy and your passion for the topic. Peter Pierce at Baker Tilly, and thank you to your colleagues. We have Eric Bergen. You re- you mentioned him before. He's here in the in the room cheering you on. We have Rachel. We have Christy. Thank you, everyone from Baker Tilly, for being here to cheer on Peter Pierce. Peter, why don't we wave goodbye to the Automotive Insiders audience? Peter Pierce and Bonnie D. Graham saying bye-bye. Until next time. Thanks again for tuning in to Automotive Insiders, presented by OESA. Listen at your convenience to industry thought leaders as they discuss the ever-evolving industry and how companies can thrive in the new mobility landscape. All episodes are on demand on the Voice America Business Channel and at OESA.org. Automotive Insider is presented by the Original Equipment Suppliers Association.